Hi, church. My name is Charlie, and I'll be reading 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-5. through 5. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a, as, as a, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for sh- shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief priest, the chief shepherd, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. Thank Thank you, you God. God. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Again, good morning. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, This morning, like Kelsey said earlier, we're going to continue in our vision series for 2023. This is just an opportunity for um, our other pastor, Brian, and I to communicate with all of you uh, where the Lord has led us to bear fruit in uh, the coming year. And so last week, you heard from our guest preacher, J.R., who I wanted to clarify one thing about JR's role. He was pretty instrumental in my development and in my growth uh, as a pastor, but he also serves as a temporary elder. He and another pastor here in town, they both serve as a temporary elder of Redeemer um, because Brian and I know that uh, we're just two people and we need help. We need guys that have been in the game longer than us that um, can help us and, and help us to see clearly. Um, and who guys who are willing to tell us no. And so in the meantime, before we install local elders here, JR is one of those men. That's why he was here uh, preaching last week. And so he shared with us that um, God intends for his church to bear the fruit of uh, love in one way through the equipping of the church, that we would use our gifts in harmony with one another, to love one another, to grow in unity with one another. This week we're going to be talking about um, the church being designed in its leadership through uh, in, in one single direction with a singular focus towards Jesus. That the design of the church, the structure of the church is um, such that elders lead the church to Jesus. That's our main thought for today. If you're a note taker, that's our, our guiding thought for today. Elders lead the church to Jesus. And remember, a couple weeks ago, I gave my introductory sermon. We asked five questions, and I said, these five questions will guide us through this short vision series. Those five questions, does anybody remember what the first one is? As we read Scripture, this is the first question we should ask. Who is God? Great job. That was one of my students from when I taught high school, so she listens. Who is God? What's the next one? What is he doing? Who are we is the third question, right? Who is God? What is he doing? And then who are we? As we study scripture, that's how we ask those questions. First, who is God? Then what is he doing? And then we can come and ask, who are we? Not what do we do just yet, but first, who are we? Those three questions will remain the same, right? And so we ask those questions. The very first one, who is God? Uh, and, and what is he doing? Kind of work together. God the Father has given Jesus, God the Son, as head of the church, 
to lead and build the church through the power of God the Spirit. So it's very Trinitarian. God the Father has given Jesus, God the Son, as head of the church, to lead and build the church in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is, who is God and what is he doing now? Who are we? We are the church, the body of Christ. If Jesus is the head, we are the body. Okay? So there's those first three questions, and we said that those last two questions, what do we do and how do we do it? The last two questions will change for every sermon. So what do we do and how do we do it? Now, that first question, what do we do, there's two parts. What do elders do and what do, does the church do? How both of those things are done is the same. So that fifth question, how do we do it, is the same. We'll answer those two questions, well, those three questions. What do elders do? What does the church do? And how do we do it? We'll answer those today. So what do we do? The elders lead the church to Jesus. What does the church do? The church follows the elders to Jesus. This is kind of one of those implications of why the local church is necessary, why membership at a local church is so important. Elders lead the church to Jesus, and the church follows the elders to Jesus. The whole focus and point of both of those is not the elders, and it's not the church. It's Jesus. Now, how do we do it? To use Peter's words here from our text, in humility. But I also want to include Jesus' words that he used regularly through the four gospel accounts in death. We're going to talk about that in detail. Jesus' words um, to describe what it means to, to submit to him in humility is to die to yourself. Okay, so let's think back again. What do the elders do? Remember our main thought Elders lead the church to Jesus. Now, before we look at our text, before we go back into what Charlie read for us in 1 Peter 5, I want to ask a question. I want you, I hope you will ask this question. Anytime a sermon is preached, whether it's here at Redeemer or anywhere else, a sermon is preached to preach good news, to proclaim good news. So you should ask every, every sermon you hear, why is this good news? Why is the elders leading the church to Jesus good news? To help answer that question, I want to point you first to the words of Jesus in Luke 5. In Luke 5, 31 through 32, Jesus is being questioned and he's in conflict with the religious elite, the people that created the religious structure in Jerusalem at the time. And Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So elsewhere, throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus constantly calling whoever would believe in him. Right? John 3.16, whoever would believe in me would find salvation. Who did Jesus come for? The whole world. So now let me ask you, do you need Jesus? Did Jesus come for you? Some of you are nodding your heads. 
Some of you believe the answer is yes. Regardless of what you believe, regardless of what you say, the answer is yes. Jesus came for all of you. He came for everyone who is breathing oxygen today, everyone who has ever lived and whoever will live. Jesus came for. So if this is true, that Jesus came for you, regardless of what you believe about who Jesus came for, if this is true, that Jesus came for you, either you believe that you need him or you believe that you don't need him. You either believe that you are sick or you think that you're just fine. You either believe that you are in darkness and you need the light or you believe you're already in the light. You either believe that in yourself you're dead and that you need the source of life from outside of you. You either believe this or you believe that it's not true for you. There's no middle ground. There's no lukewarm. So you either believe and you know that you're sick or you're fooled into thinking that you're healthy. And we should all wonder, am I fooled into thinking that I'm healthy? Because the job of the elders is to remind the church that her soul is sick and that she needs the great physician. The job of the elders is to remind the church that she needs Jesus. The job of the elders is to remind those in darkness that they need the light. Those who are in sin need a Savior. Those who are dead need life. This is what Jesus says when he says that it's through death we will find life. That it, what Peter says that in humility will be led to Jesus. 1 Peter 5 is good news because the elders lead the church to life in Jesus. So let's look now at 1 Peter 5. We'll start in verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. This is Peter just establishing his authority. He's an apostle. He's like, guys, if there's anybody that can say this, I can say this. I literally walked next to Jesus. And this is his instruction. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. There's lots of other leadership words that existed then, they exist now. Lots of other leadership words, lots of titles. It could have said, manage the church that's among you. It could have said, govern the church that's among you. It could have said, cultivate, to use another analogy, but it didn't. The Holy Spirit repeatedly, through Scripture, chooses the word shepherd Because sheep need a shepherd. Sheep don't need a coach. They don't need a manager. They don't need a governor or or a congressman. They don't need trustees. They don't need a representative. The church needs shepherds. So what a shepherd does for sheep is what a pastor 
or an elder does for Christians. And so let's think about for a second, what do shepherds do? What do shepherds do? They, they lead the flock, right? Shepherds don't convince the sheep that they are the food. They don't convince the sheep that they are the living water, do they? Did y'all know that San Angelo is a pretty big deal when it comes to sheep? So we should kind of have our, our minds wrapped around what it takes to lead sheep. Um, and we don't see the ranchers standing in front of the sheep saying, come to me and you'll find life, right? The shepherds take the sheep to the water. They take the sheep to the source of food. They lead and guide them to the source of safety and security. The shepherds proclaim what John the Baptist proclaimed, the light is not in me, but there is a greater light coming. There is no life in me, I can only take you to the life. So the role of an elder is to constantly guide the church towards the source of life, that is Jesus. The shepherds aren't meant to convince the sheep to be impressed by the shepherd or just to like them a little bit more. The shepherds aren't meant to convince the sheep to give a little more to the church bank account so the shepherd can buy himself a new jet. The shepherd is meant to show how impressive Jesus is, to like him a little bit more, to love him more to be willing to give up your whole life for the chief shepherd because he's worthy and because in him is life. So how does this look? How do the elders shepherd the flock and lead them to Jesus? How do they take them to the source? Well, let's first look at John 21. Um, the end of John's story of Jesus, Jesus meets Peter on the beach, and they're eating a delicious breakfast of fish. Anybody eat fish for breakfast today? I didn't think so. They're eating fish over the fire at, on the beach, and this is a, a pretty famous interaction. You may have um, heard this, but leading up to this moment, Jesus has already died on the cross. He spent his three days dead, and he's resurrected on the third day. Many of you also may know that right before Jesus' crucifixion, Peter denied Jesus. He denied even knowing him more than once. And so this story in John 21 is Jesus restoring Peter to the authority that he proclaimed at the very beginning of our text, an apostle, and not just an apostle, a lead apostle, capital A apostle, that would teach the church how to govern herself, that would teach the church how to shepherd, that would teach elders how to be elders, that would teach Christians how to be Christians, that would teach all of us how to die. And so we... we See, in John 21, Jesus asked Peter, and they do this three times. He says, Peter, do you love me? 
Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says, okay then, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And it's the third time that Jesus does this, it says that Peter was actually offended. Jesus restoring Peter hurt Peter. That's not got a whole lot to do with our text today. I just find that interesting. Jesus restoring Peter hurt Peter, but it's Jesus, and he was doing him good. He was shepherding Peter. And so in John 21, 18 through 19, after this third and final time, after Peter gets offended, Jesus finishes his restoration. He says, truly, truly, which in Bible language is like, I'm serious, Peter, listen to me. I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. You lived life on your own terms. You went where you desired. You wore what you desired. But when you're old, as you mature, as you continue to follow me, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Did you catch that? Death would glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Jesus' final words to Peter the apostle, follow me. Peter knows everything that just happened. Peter was witness to it even though he denied it. And Jesus says, follow me, do what I did. So the primary role of elders and pastors is to show the church how to die. How to die to ourselves, how to surrender our lives and our wills to Jesus. And when I say die to, your, to ourselves, I'm referencing Mark 8.34, when Jesus says, if anybody wants to follow me, those two words, follow me, he must pick up his cross, he must deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. It's repeated because that's the important thing. He must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. The primary theme of the Christian life is dying to ourselves. This is why two weeks ago when I introduced this whole series, we prayed the Lord's Prayer, and the whole thing was, we're going to fear the Lord this year. We're going to follow Him, trust in Him alone, and we're going to pray, God, hallowed be Your name, not ours. May Your kingdom come, not ours, and may Your will be done, not ours. Jesus dying prayer in the garden before he was arrested to be crucified literally was, Father, your will be done, not mine. So if we're convinced that there's anything to this Christian life except dying to ourselves, we have no idea what it means to be Christian. Can I say that harsh enough? But let me remind you, death feels like dying. It's not easy. It hurts. You have to give up. You have to let go. 
This is why the church needs elders. And I will say, this is why elders need elders. Elders are not autonomous, free-living, free-floating authority figures. They need one another. Because they need to be reminded, too, that they submit to Jesus. This is why it's always plural. The only time in the New Testament that the office of elder is referred to in singular is when somebody is greeting a singular elder. Anytime there's an instruction tied to elders, it's always plural. The church is meant to have more than one elder. It's meant really to have more than two. We need multiple elders because the church needs to be led to Jesus. Elders need to be led to Jesus. This is why this is good news. Now, there's a, 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 a statement Jesus made in this John 21 passage, or that the commentator makes, that John makes about what Jesus said. This is to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Now, if you're following me, that the call of the Christian is to die, then that won't make a whole lot of nonsense, right? You'll, you'll get that death will glorify God if we die to ourselves and trust in God. So how does dying to self become good news? Well, let me ask you, what does death separate you from? Like physical, literal death, what, what's, what are you separated from when you die? Your body, your possessions, your friends, your family, literally everything. This is why we fear death, because you can't take it with you, right? We're, we, we know that saying. Death separates us from everything, except if you know Romans 8, there's only one thing death cannot separate you from. That's the love of God in Jesus and so it makes sense that Jesus would say regularly, you have to die to yourself. You have to separate yourself from literally everything because I'm the only one that leads to life. When you die, you live. Now, back to 1 Peter 5. Take a, a closer look at these instructions for elders. It's important that the church sees and knows and understands how the elders are meant to lead the church to Jesus. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Not under compulsion, meaning don't lead, don't be an elder because um, you feel like that's probably the next thing in your trajectory of maturity. It's like, well, I, I, I've already done everything that a Christian could do except be an elder. I guess I'll be an elder now. That seems a little bit backwards. Um, but also don't be an elder because you think it will make you happy or you think it will make someone else happy. Not under compulsion because you feel like you need to. But willingly, as God would have you. That means 
Um, you lead, you become an elder because God has called you to do it and you desire to do it. Not for shameful gain, meaning don't lead the church to get something from her. We need to say that one again. Don't lead the church to get something from her. Elders who lead to get something from the church are codependent on the church. Codependent is a a modern term for the biblical term fear of man. We know that the fear of man is a snare, according to Proverbs 25. What does a snare do? It kills things. It starves them. The fear of man is a snare, but those who fear the Lord are safe. A church that has elders that are not codependent on the church, that fear the Lord alone, are safe. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Eagerly meaning because lead because you love. An elder should lead the church because he loves her. Not domineering. If you think of uh, these three negative instructions as kind of a, a, a cumulative instruction, not under compulsion because you think you need to, and if you think you need to, you're going to end up finding your own soul satisfaction in your role, and that's just going to lead to you domineering, dominating in your position. We're familiar with this. We're familiar with this abuse of power in authority, right? Because we, we end up having leaders who are human, who inevitably find satisfaction in their position. Satan knows that there's a temptation in leadership for people to find satisfaction in their power, in their status, in the glory of leadership, in being in front of people, in hearing the compliments, even in the performance, that when people criticize, you can say, okay, well, I can try hard enough to to prove that person right. All of that leads to domineering, that it leads to abuse of power, and we know what that's like. Some of us have been on the receiving end of that kind of leadership. Some of us um, know people or, or we have friends or family or maybe we ourselves have left the church because of this kind of leadership. Some people we know have left Christ and denied Christ because of this kind of leadership. It's a very real temptation for leaders to satisfy their souls and their positions. This is why it's necessary that you pray. This is why you pray for your leaders. What Peter's saying is if you get into church leadership for any other reason, then you love the church and you're called to the church. You're called to lead her. Then you'll eventually use her for your own selfish, shameful gain. And so the Holy Spirit says, through Peter, in contrast, to lead willingly, lead from love. He says, lead eagerly, lead from being called into leadership. Lead by example. Show the church what it looks like to follow Jesus. 
I've already kind of touched on this before, but I want to make clear, especially what we at Redeemer believe about elders. Elders are not a board of trustees. Their job is not solely to um, cast votes and approve budgets. That is minimal to the role of the elder. The elders are also not elected church representatives. Okay? I'm, I'm, this is not a human suggestion box situation. The command here is very clear. Elders, lead the church. Church, follow the elders. And I know I'm the guy on stage, I'm the guy with the microphone, I'm one of the elders that's saying this. Trust me, it's hard to say, it's awkward to say. But I will let you know that the responsibility on me, biblically, is double. So when I say it, I better say it right. And I'm telling you, to die, and I'm telling me to die. Elders are pastors and shepherds. Elders are not the life of the church, but they show the church where to find her life. And if the words of Jesus in Mark 8, 34, to pick up your cross, to die to yourself, and follow if those words are true, that in order to get the resurrection, we have to die, then the call of every Christian is to die. And if the call of every Christian is to die, then the call of every elder is to show the church by example how to die. The call of every elder is to die first and die publicly Elders lead the church to Jesus, the only one who can lead us from death to life. And they do it by humbly dying to themselves and finding life in Jesus for themselves. In order for you to be convinced to die, you have to know that what you're dying for is worth it. How do you know that what you're dying for is worth it? That's the other role of the elders, right? That's why we teach. That's why the authority of teaching and preaching is given to the elders. We proclaim it. We proclaim that it's only in Christ that we can move from death to life. It's only in Christ. It's only dying to ourselves, letting go of our own desires and our impulses and our wills, and looking to Him that we move from darkness to life. That's the hope that there's life, there's light. The elder's job is not to beat you down and remind you, hey, you're not dying well enough. It's good for you to be reminded, hey, don't live life on your terms. Don't chase your desires and your impulses. But look to Jesus. He's the only thing that will satisfy your soul. So what does the church do and how? Verse 5, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, 
church and elders, all of you in humility. Now this Greek word for younger, that's the word neos. Neos simply means new, and there's a lot of connotations that come with that word new, neos. It could mean literally younger, an infant or someone who is not as old as you in age, but it could also mean new as a Christian. But it could also mean a new person, someone who has been made new. We have a term for this called regenerate. So when we look at this word, neos, and we want to understand how is Peter using this word neos, because that's important, because if Peter's only telling the people who are more youthful in the church to listen to the elders, then that doesn't quite make sense. If Peter's telling only the brand new Christians to listen to the elders, then that doesn't quite make sense. And so I think that he's talking about all who are regenerate. Well, how can I support that? What do we use to interpret Scripture? Scripture. Let's look at Colossians 3.9, where this word is used in a similar connotation, instructing the church to submit, instructing the church to live in humility. Colossians 3.9-10. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Who's that instruction for? Every Christian which is being renewed. Both of those words are either neos or have their root in neos. The word younger, it does in fact include people who are younger and who are younger in faith, but that's not all it includes. That's not where it ends. We see throughout scripture that the connotations of neos are all of these. But here in Peter and in Colossians, we see it's a more full word to communicate. If you're not an elder, follow the elders. And so what does the church do? The church follows the elders to Jesus. How does the church follow the elders to Jesus? The same way that the elders follow Jesus in humility. Clothe yourselves in humility. Clothe yourselves in humility. Don't, he doesn't say, be humble. That's too simple. That's not dramatic enough to explain what's actually being instructed. Clothe yourselves in humility. Surround yourself with dying to yourself. The only way, this, this is how I'll, I'll emphasize this point, the only way that the church works is if both the church and the elders clothe themselves in humility. The only way this will work is if both the elders and the church die to themselves. And this is why we need elders, because we're reluctant to do that because death feels like dying. And so as an elder, I need other elders to remind me to die. And as the church, you need elders to remind you to die. Because it's only in death that we get Jesus. It's only in death that we get life. It's only in dying to ourselves that we will get the resurrection. 
It's only picking up our cross and following Jesus, denying ourselves that we will get eternal life with the Father. And so every one of us is called to lay down our own way of doing things. Every one of us is called to submit to our elders, even the elders. We're called to submit our will and desire to the will and desire of Jesus as he leads and builds his church from sickness to health, from darkness to life, light from separation to reconciliation, from sin to holiness, from death to life. And so don't be surprised, but our um, really practical application for today is to pray. Pray for us, pray for Brian and I, that we would live this way. Pray for us to die to ourselves first, to die to ourselves publicly. Pray for the future elders, that they would be men who do the same thing, that, that lead by example of dying to self, that lay down their own wills and kingdoms to find life in Jesus. <laughs> and I also ask that you would pray for yourselves. Pray for yourself to do this. If you've listened to anything I've said today, then you probably have thought, yeah, I don't really like doing that. I don't like giving up my own desires. I hold on to those. Sometimes we're even convinced those are, those are all given to me to lead me. But Scripture's clear. Pray for yourselves that you would die to yourself that you would follow Jesus and pray for one another. Pray for this church. Pray for one another by name that you would die to yourself and follow Jesus, find life in him. And so uh, as we take communion together this morning, we're gonna remember that our chief shepherd led the way in dying to ourselves, that he, he led the way in literal death so that we could follow him to die. Communion is meant for those of us who only trust in Jesus to have done this, okay? Because otherwise, if you're taking communion and you don't confess that Jesus died to save you, you're lying. And we're asking you to not lie. And so instead of taking communion this morning, if you have not trusted in Jesus, would you take the moment and would you consider trusting Jesus? Would you lay down your own will and desire? Would you die to yourself to find life in him? And the rest of us, church, we, we take the bread, the broken body of Christ, broken for us. We take the cup, the blood spilled out for us, for the forgiveness of sins. We take these together as a church and we confess that our life is found in him alone. And we do this weekly in remembrance of him. Would you join me? Mm -hmm.